Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. What Became of Dr. Smith by artist Noah Satterstrom is on view now through September 22, 2024. Learn more at msmuseumart.org. Hi, everybody. I'm Catherine Pierce, and I'm the Poet Laureate for the State of Mississippi. Welcome to the Mississippi Poetry Podcast, a podcast where poetry comes alive for listeners. Across the country and the world, poets are writing right now and creating vibrant, important poems that enlighten, entertain, challenge, and comfort. Some of these incredible poets have roots right here in Mississippi. Each episode of the Mississippi Poetry Podcast will feature a different poet with Mississippi connections. We'll hear a poem, learn about how it was written, and chat a bit about poetry and beyond. I'm thrilled to have Dr. Nadia Alexis on the podcast with me today. Dr. Nadia Alexis is a poet, writer, photographer, and educator born to Haitian immigrants in New York City. Her debut book will be published by Cavan Carey Press in spring 2025. Her writing and photography have appeared in Poets and Writers, The Global South, Indiana Review, MQR Mixtape, and Forgotten Lands, among numerous others. She holds a PhD and MFA in creative writing from the University of Mississippi, and she has lived in Mississippi for over seven years. Nadia, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me about poetry today. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to talking. My pleasure. Well, I always like to start off with a non-poetry question. And my question for you is, what is your least favorite vegetable? And why is that your least favorite vegetable? Um, I'm trying to think of something bitter. <laughs> That's my first thought. But my first thought is, are mushrooms a vegetable? You know, that is a great question that I have also wondered about. I'm going to go with yes. I don't know if that's we're true. We're going to go with that. We're going to say they are. For the sake of this, yes, we're going to count them. Um, that comes to, I don't like the texture. So I can have mushrooms like cut up. If it's cut up and I can't, you know, decipher that it's mushrooms, it's about the texture. And... I remember when I studied abroad in France many years ago when I was in college and my host mother, I had stayed with a host family and she cooked food from scratch. And one of the meals she cooked one day was mush had mushrooms. That was the, that was the, the centerpiece of it. And I was too afraid to tell her that I hated them and I tried to eat it. <laughs> it did not go over well. So I had to tell her like, I can't eat it. Like I tried to make myself eat it. Um, so I, I really don't like mushrooms. It's the texture. It's the texture. It's not even the taste. It's the texture. I can't No, I get it. Texture is really important. It really, <laughs> I mean, it influences things a lot. I have trouble with water chestnuts for the same reason. I just, I, I oh. don't know what to do with that crunch. It's, mm -hmm. I don't know. It just, I can't, I'm not good with it. It's, it's not good with yeah. me. So yeah, no, I get it. It's not the flavor. It's just the, the texture. Yeah. Texture matters. So well, thank mm -hmm. you. I, I just think that's, you know, I think you have strong feelings about vegetables. So that's, thank you yes. for, for talking about that. Okay. So to switch gears now, what are you going to be reading for us today? Do you want to briefly set up this poem and then, and then go into reading it for us? Yes. It's a poem. It's called Cantaloupe. I wrote it in grad school. It was literally for an assignment that my uh, former professor, Amy Nezuka Matato, gave me, gave us. And we had read a poem by um, Joseph Legaspi, who's also my press mate at um, 
Kevin Carey, and it was titled Watermelon. It was kind of like an origin story poem. And so I went in a different direction, but I chose cantaloupe because that was the fruit that I grew up eating. My mom loved cutting them up, you know, in the little squares. And sometimes we were able to cut them up too. And so I just thought of a moment that was significant in my life as a child that I still remember to this day, that I still have a scar on my knee from to this day. And so I decided that I was going to write a poem about it. And then I ended up learning through the writing of it. Um, I had that brief idea, but it made me think about um, themes of power and um, healing and Black girlhood and all of that. So all of that came from the the cantaloupe. I didn't know it was going to go there. So it was a delight writing it. I love that. I love, um, I, I was writing this down as you were talking. Uh, you said I was learning through the writing of it. And I think that is such, such a powerful thing that poetry can do is that it can teach us as, even as we're the ones writing it, we're learning from the poems that we're writing. And I think it's possible for us to be surprised by the directions that our poems take and and what we end up realizing that they're about. So I, I loved hearing you say that. So do you want to go ahead and read the poem for us? Yes. Okay. Cantaloupe. One. I am 10 the first time Ma let me split the skin of a cantaloupe without her. My knee still bandaged and burning from a fall I took on the playground that day. While playing tag, a classmate pushes me like she wants the ground to remember it. I don't push back, tell my father, tell my teacher instead, and declare I wish it were a half day. When I get home, I tell Ma I'm aching for sugar and numbing. So she hands me a knife and I lay the tough skin fruit on its side, cut the two shortest ends and watch them fall like playing cards. I think back to the breaking, stand it upright to make it into a split sun. Ma offers to redress my wound in ointment. I dig up and toss innards like their memories I want to bury. There is no aloe vera here. Cut until cantaloupe flesh resembles square-shaped Lego bricks. Devour several slices before I place the others to rest in our Tupperware. Two. My sisters and I climb the plastic-adorned couch in our living room. Mountains of clothes and blankets all over the rug for extra cushion. Today, we dive into an ocean, bellies full of fruit blessings and minds still on fire from a story Ma told us about a Black girl in Harlem who could fly like a bird. We want to turn into dolphins and fly. We know we can wish this. Feet steadied, hands on each other's shoulders, Knees bent for the journey. There's nothing like the thirst of Black girls who believe in their own dreams. Cantaloupe juice can only quench so much. We fly and dive into the water we built. Bellies pointed up and down as we lie with bodies transformed into wind. Thank you so much. Can you talk a little bit about some 
element of the writing of that poem, something that you were thinking about as you were crafting it or a little bit more about where it came from for you or how it started to go in the direction that it did? Yeah, so I was like, why do I, besides the fact that I have this scar on my knee that always, that I'll never, that doesn't seem like it'll ever go away, why is this memory so important to me um, that I remember it so clearly? And I don't really talk about what happened um, in terms of uh, the girl pushing me. I don't really go into depth with it, but I do mention it. And I think that um, I felt a lack of power there and I didn't um, defend myself because I was brought up to like, don't push, don't hit the person back, just go tell your teacher. And I think that part of me probably wishes that she could rewrite it. (laughs) So I was like, okay, I will rewrite this story, but just in a different way. And so because there was a lack of power, that was that was the other seed that I had. And so I think I thought about how my mother now this is that's this is made up in terms of my mom letting me cut the candle. But I'm, I was like, okay, power. And I don't remember how the poem came out, but uh <clears throat> I realized power was something that I was interested in. And so that was the Read. And that is one of the things that I think is important in the poem, like getting the power in terms of being able to cut the cantaloupe. And, um, you know, that's something that like an adult, like it's very like much an adult thing to have a knife in your hand and cut something um, that I was desiring something and I was able to quench that thirst a bit. And then I thought about my what does power look like in terms of being a black girl? And so that looked like, you know, this idea that we could be bigger and and have powers and and things like that. And so, and transform into wind like we did at the end. Um, And so that, that, that's, that was really what I was thinking about, but it came to me as I, as I went, because it came to me from a question. And I think that's where some of the, the best pieces of writing come are are from questions. And I like to tell my students that, and I like to encourage them to allow the, the, the poems to reveal itself to them, instead of just like having a set idea, this is what I want to happen from start to finish. It's like, well, it's probably going to read that way. It's probably going to read like there's not, the reader may not necessarily learn as much from that type of poem. And so allow yourself to, to discover something and the, and the reader probably will also. Yes, I absolutely agree with that. Um, that, you know, the best poems come from questions. They come from what we don't mm-hmm. know what we're trying to figure out. And I think if we can let ourselves trust the poem a lot of times we will end up discovering something and you know it's it's um it's more fun for a reader if it's more fun for the writer to kind of figure out what we're what we're saying as we go so I love that and I wrote down a couple of other things that you said as you were talking about that um I wrote down the idea of rewriting the story to kind of shift the balance of power and to regain that power which I think is is such a 
fantastic um, and interesting way to think about what a poem can do, the way that we can use them to to rewrite and to retell and to reimagine. And I was also really struck by you saying that um, some of this was made up, that some of this <laughs> yeah. did happen, but part of this is made up. And that is something that I talk to my own students about a lot. The idea that, you know, you don't have to stick to straight autobiography when you're writing a poem. Your allegiance is to the poem. This isn't an essay, right? You can you can draw from autobiography, but you can also make the poem what it needs to be. And so I, I loved hearing you talk about that there, how, yes, it came from autobiography, but then it sort of took on a life of its own and spun outward from there and became what you needed it to be in order for it to be this poem about power and, you know, kind of rediscovering mm -hmm. this, shifting that balance. So I love that. Thank you. Um, even so the part about my mom, even the part about the mother in the poem telling the story, it, that wasn't true. That probably was like a teacher. Um, but, you know, that, you know, it's, it's a lot of it is made up. But she, my mom, and my mom did that in other ways. And so for me, it was still true because she did it, there was other memories that I had. I just didn't <clears throat> write about them in this poem. So, right. yeah. Well, it's that idea of the emotional truth, right? That it may not have been yep. the literal factual truth, but it is emotionally true. You were getting at mm -hmm. the core of a relationship and a person and the autobiographical detail may have been different, but the emotional truth was was real. So yeah, that's, that's thank you. I really, I loved, mm -hmm. I loved hearing you talk about that. So my last question, well, my second to last question for you um, may connect to something you've already said, but I always like to ask guests when they come on the podcast, if there is some bit of advice that they would give to either poets who are starting out or people who are already poets, but are looking to, you know, dive into that work a little bit more deeply or just find some new directions. So what is a piece of advice that you would give to someone looking to write or to deepen their own uh, writing of poetry? I would say, so the first thing that comes to mind is immersion. Like when I started um, writing poetry again, that's what I did. I, I went to a bunch of readings. I took a bunch of workshops. I read a lot. I just completely immersed myself in it. And I think there's different ways to do that, you know, depending on how busy you are or what you have access to. There's so many resources online. So I would use that, um, but immersion, that's what I, I mean, that's, that's, um, and as you are immersing yourself in that, uh, I think community is really important in that immersion process. So connecting with other poets, um, but also you can kind of see the, the poets that whose work you're reading, like you're connecting with them in that type of way and allowing yourself to play just try different things um, you could even use people's work as writing prompts or um, mimic them depending on where you are in your um, journey but that that's what i would say just go all in in the ways that you can and do it regularly as opposed to going all in and then leaving for a time if you are trying to develop a practice or reignite a practice. Thank you. And I think that's great advice for everybody. I mean, not only for folks who are mm -hmm. starting off, but for people who may have been doing this for a, a lifetime. I mean, I think that that's 
I think it's important for me to periodically remind myself, hey, yes, let's let's spend a day reading poems. Let's go to these readings. Let's just try to kind of be in the world of writers because, right, we're just kind of opening up our brains to, to language and to possibility and to the idea of play, which I agree is a hugely important part of poetry. So I'm so glad you said that. Thank you. Well, my last question for you is, where could we find more of your work if we would like to read some more poems by you? You can go to my website. It is NadiaAlexis.com. So N-A-D-I-A-A-L-E-X-I-S.com. And that's where I post. I keep my website up to date. So that's where you can find it. And yeah. All right, great. Well, we'll share that too. We always put out a supplement that goes along with the podcast. So we'll make sure we have a link to your website on there. So thank you so much, Dr. Nadia Alexis, for talking with me today about poems and truth in poetry and foods that you like or don't like and (laughs) just taking the time to, to talk about poems and share your insights. And thank you all for listening to the Mississippi Poetry Podcast, where poetry comes alive. Thank you.